Hello and welcome to the Mindful Initiative podcast. We are very privileged to have amongst us today Mr. J.M. Sampath. Uh, Mr. Sampath has over 30 plus years of work experience in the industry. I have personally known him for about a year and it's been a privilege to know him. He is mindful not just in the way he carries himself, but the work he does, the companies that he has opened. He calls himself a mindful serial entrepreneur, but I don't think he needs to call himself that. I, th- I think he is just a person who is very caring about anything and everything it does. One important skill that will be needed as you live today and walk into tomorrow is your ability to do four Cs before others can do. And what these four Cs stand for? Ability to connect, correlate, create and capitalize. Today's world, we need more wise people than knowledgeable people. And I created a, a journey from ignorance to wisdom. How do you really become wiser? How do you become more introspective, reflective? Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Sampath. Thank you. To start with, I would like our listeners to know a little bit about your background, where you have come from, what you have done, your education, maybe your family. Well, it started with a very humble background. I think life always prepares you for uh, what it wants you to do. So by the time uh, we came to college, Though we were born with golden spoon, we had literally nothing to fall back on. So that gives you a lot of courage to deal with anything in life. And uh, I finished my master's from Dra school, got into a large public sector as a HR uh, management training. Not for too long, I suddenly realized that I was uh, in conflict with uh, the environment and in particular with my boss. But... uh, I was already introduced to meditation, process labs, trying to get deeper into knowing who I am and what I am. When I was looking around, I saw many people who could get along with my boss and some of us had some trouble with him. And I said, look, if he's the trouble, everybody should have a trouble with him. Very fact that some have and some don't have means I also have a share in this conflict with him. Trying to figure out what is my share. And after a lot of reflection, introspection, thinking, meditation, the answer I got was my values didn't match with his values. So I said if values are at the source of human conflict, what's the work that's being done in that space? I was hardly 27 then. Soon I realized the culture was so strong that uh, it would uh, engulf me. That's when I decided to leave the public sector and go to a private sector only to realize that I jumped from frying pan to fire. Where I was, uh, I saw my company literally looting sugarcane from farmers. And I challenged it and uh, I decided enough of corporate, let me go out and do something about it. This was way back in 88. Since then, I've been focusing all my energy on understanding values and helping people gain clarity on values and uh, see how that can help them to make more qualitative decisions. I also got elected as Ashoka Fellow in the year 90, which gave me a lot of space and time to 
think about values at a very very serious level i always say that if somebody takes 2 years to think about a subject at the end of the 2 years they'll come out with something about it and so did i over the years uh, you've worked with several groups several countries several cultures i ended up finishing my phd did start a few companies i always believed that what you talk you should be able to apply in your real life context otherwise it becomes purely uh, theoretical you can't be teaching entrepreneurship without having started a company so i always believed that if i am talking about values and can i show companies that run successfully with values uh, there's one company in which i'm very deeply involved in and i am one of the core founders of that company it's in ayurveda called punarnava we are very close to coimbatore and uh, we have adopted 15 villages around it we take care of uh, their health the children education we believe that if you can't have an inclusive community and if you are not mindful of your environment the environment will come to hit you back so wherever it is that's the approach that one has taken i also have written few books one of my first book was on called discovery where i used a lot of parables and did some work and i'm glad to share that as i am talking to you it's been translated into french and uh, it's being used as a book come tool that will build reflection young people in brussels the book is likely to be out in november so therefore uh, life has been a lot of fun a lot of uh, understanding I've, i should have led by now over 1000 plus workshops and i feel each workshop is a learning opportunity i'm married to kalpana i have two kids and i think it's become a way of life for us we don't know the difference between work and home or home and work for us it's a way of being that's where we come from i think that's fantastic and there's just so many things that you have shared and you've talked about a lot of things that i really wanted to talk about so so i think to start with one of the most important things i feel is that there is no separation between work and home work and personal life over the last 15 20 years we have heard this you know we need to keep a professional life separate personal life separate and and i understand it is very difficult for people to do that because one leads to the other and vice versa so i'm glad you're doing that but coming back to the early years of your life and your career nowadays it's easier for people to leave their job because they're unhappy with the work culture they're unhappy with their bosses or their peers but back in the days you had a very stable job in a psu and you decided to quit and what led you to do that and you know how did you get the courage and and what is the recommendation you have for the others in the current generation if they are unhappy with the work that they are doing what should they do one of my teacher by name professor nair who also later became my mentor when i was leaving my college uh, said always have a white paper in your pocket uh, if you are asked to do something you don't believe in that's your last weapon that you will use i never thought i will have to use that but in the last company that i worked when i realized what my company was doing that night i couldn't sleep i was rolling in my bed and i said nothing is worth losing one sleep for me if you believe in what you believe very strongly and you are 
passionate about it and you're willing to give everything you have for it you don't have to worry about anything else things will fall in place you'll have to have that unconditional trust the world around you will tell all kinds of things it's sometimes they are genuinely concerned about you and your future so they would uh, tell you a having a job is important all kinds of things they are they are telling out of concern but deep within you'll have to ask yourself uh, do you really believe in what you are setting out to do in fact i had even more uh, a challenging situation where when i quit my job there was a consulting company which was willing to give me the same salary same kind of things for half my time they said just work with us for two weeks and rest of the time you do what you want it was very very tempting to take that offer i took almost a month to take the final call and finally went and told them i wouldn't join them Uh, the rationale i had in my mind was you can't learn swimming with a float you'll have to let go everything and then you will know whether you will swim or sink uh, you should have that courage and you should believe in what you want to do more than what you care for anything else around yourself and i think i did have that courage and conviction at that time and there is a fine line in being courageous and being arrogant right nowadays i i see more and more people who are in their 20s i see sort of arrogance in their attitude rather than just the courage part how would you put that in words in a way so that people don't become arrogant about what they do but you know have the right courage and the will to do what they're doing it's a very good observation and i do agree with you what you seem to be uh, seeing these days courage is born out of the faith you have in what you believe in but the fact of life is none of us know everything about anything and life is too large and any subject is too deep and wide for any of us to get a complete hold on it and if you can't stay humble if you can't stay open and if you can't uh, respect the world around you your knowledge will become very limited you can't go beyond a point and then you will suddenly realize where did i land up what did i start with where did i stop in my case i think uh, people ask me are you not bored you have led thousand workshops i say the day bo- the day i'm bored i'll stop uh, every workshop seems to be teaching me something that's because one is willing to stay humble one is willing to say i don't know with ease one is willing to say that there is so much that there is to be understood and learned from so for me having courage with humility will take you much longer in life than just having courage and courage with arrogance will not take you too long i think that just adding humbleness to courage i think says it all and and moving along right after you left your private enterprise with with the same issues that you were having with with the public sector but in in a little bit different way you decided to form arpita before you became ashoka fellow is that is that correct they happened almost together in the year 90 and uh, arpita was arpan uh, which means we wanted to dedicate ourselves to excelling and excellence i truly believe that all of us have enormous amount of potential in our life are we capable of realizing that enormous amount of capability we all agree without a blink of an eye that human potential is unlimited 
I don't know how many of us truly trust that that potential is truly unlimited. If you believe in that statement, then you have not even realized one hundredth of your capability. It's important for you to set out and start believing in something, and set the ball rolling, and you'll realize that there is so much that you can do. I was not a great uh, uh, student during my school days. I didn't perform very well, and. Uh, Towards the later part, I went to do my PhD and so on. But my parents were genuinely concerned: what will we do with this kid who is not doing very well in education, while my siblings were doing very well? So they even thought a career option for me would be to get me twenty buffaloes and I could graze them and sell milk and make my living. If I could, I think anybody else can. The secret is you'll have to believe in yourself and you have to believe that. you are an enormous amount of potential and you'll have to be extremely mindful of that reality and that reality cannot be denied at any point of time i think the other question that i have along uh, with with the same company and and the ashoka fellowship that you had is that we were dealing with uh, the end of of license raj uh, during that time 91 right and the value systems were evolving and and you were a pioneer of a sort during that time in understanding what is required for companies to be successful and we had companies who were investing in india and they were bringing in their value system so there was a, a lot of flux how did you go about making sure that what you deliver in these workshops for value systems is in line with what you want to do and also the companies become successful It's a very important point that you brought in. When I started talking about values, which was eighty eight, eighty nine, you can imagine it's almost thirty years ago. I was hardly twenty eight, and people would tell me, "Your age and my experience is the same. What are you coming in trying to tell me?" The belief system predominantly at that time socially was with values you cannot succeed. By being good, you can't succeed. In fact. Uh, when i started leading value clarification workshops some of my friends would come and say because i came from the hr fraternity hey i have a supervisory development program would you do that program and i would say other than values i won't work on anything else and they would think why this guy is so crazy not that i had a lot of programs to do what i realized is if you stay put and believe in what you believe things will start coming we had two international companies which are coming into india at that time one was dupont tapa dupont i did get to work with them and i went to study their high performance work system while i was doing that ford was coming into india and uh, they got in touch with me somebody referred my name to them and they spoke to me i did a lot of work with their emerging markets team for the next 7 8 years and uh, i still remember one comment one of the persons at dearborn Ford World Headquarters made when I had presented something that I did. He said, "You are too ahead of time, and what you are talking will become relevant in the future. And it takes a lot of lot of uh, thinking to understand what you are saying." I do believe uh, what he said from where he was right. Uh, just take the first work that I did, which was Discovery, a tool, come a book, which primarily is aimed at. introducing basic human values to a person and to initiate a process of self enquiry which takes care of the 
need to learn to learn uh, it got published in 88 and it's now that it's getting translated it's getting used in another country without me having to do anything so i think sometimes you will be ahead of time sometimes you will be with the time it really doesn't matter what you need to be doing is you have to believe in what you are doing and go ahead and then world will fall in line with you but to start with the world will want you to fall in line with them as long as you can stay strong and you don't have that need to be a part of the mob and you have the courage to walk alone eventually you will see people following you that's something that i have experienced personally as a person and thereafter i have worked with several companies i think people saw value in what we did and they also saw that values vision learning put together can help companies become more profitable in a right way I think around the same time Ashoka fellowship was part of what you were doing and one of the things that you did was along with the discovery there was games that you were developing to help people understand their value systems and this is part of your workshop or at least they were part of your workshops before can you talk about that gamification because gamification is has become a big thing nowadays and you've been doing this for 30 plus years so you're a pioneer of that as well in in many sorts so i would love to know your thought process at that time why did you go into that direction and you know how and why was it relevant then and it is very relevant now as well well it's a long story but i'm going to see how uh, i can share it without losing any critical point I'm not a Horatius reader but uh, even as a student in Madras School of Social Work I was already introduced to meditation I was doing process work human process labs I was attending them and uh, was quite deeply engrossed in what was going on within me knowing me my friends when I left Bangalore to Hyderabad where I was posted they gave me a book called Song of the Bird which had nothing but parables and anecdotes and that is one book that i have read so many times i would keep it in my hostel room open a page it would not take more than 30 second to read and then try to reflect on what that parable was trying to tell me or what that anecdote was trying to tell me and this was a standard ritual just before going for breakfast i would open a page through the day i would be reflecting on it and during one of such uh, pro- routines i suddenly realized that the characters are not out there in the book they've been in my life at different points of time So I went and started looking at other parables and I could relate to all the characters in all the parables and that's when I started collecting parables from all kinds of origins cultures and I could relate to everything that I read in any parable then I went and told my senior executives I would like to do a small experiment using parables with you guys are you ready they said we are too old for stories and parables we'll give you our children and one of the senior executives was kind enough to organize a high tea in his house with his two teenage children and their friends four of them i told them the story of hare and tortoise and they said oh uncle we know the story and i said i also know you know the story but tell me in the recent past when were the hare or when were the tortoise one of them said in mathematics i got 100 out of 100 in two tests for the third test i was watching a video i got 98 my friend got 100 out of 100 maybe i was the hare another girl said sanskrit was a tough subject for me i decided to spend half an hour every day at the end of the year i topped the class maybe i was the tortoise and and it was an hour discussion and when i left them one of the kids came and said uncle we never thought about this parable from this perspective 
that's when i realized that maybe there is a role that i need to play and consciousness is asking me to do something about it so as i walk from that person's house to my uh, room in the hostel i put the design for the first game kambuk that i created where i adopted the conventions naked ladder chart reduced it to 100 boxes there are traits qualities attributes and values in each of these boxes and that one needs to understand to know what it means to be a human and i went and picked up 100 parables that conveyed these 100 themes that we have put in each of the boxes so the chart was available in the past parables have been very ancient what is missing was the linkage of them and then the bridge that connects them so what i did was i created three levels of playing this game the level 1 is called the level of explicit learning wherein three obvious statements are made based on the parable and the value one has to choose one statement which he or she thinks is the most appropriate the second level is called the level of experiential learning wherein you are asked to share your own real life experience actually if you see our life is nothing but a series of stories every day from morning to night there are only stories and some of us also get stories in our dreams if we can understand stories and understand what is the essence of that story it will add a lot of value to our life and the third level is called the level of experiential learning i mean a level of introspective learning wherein you ask deep fundamental questions all that you expect to do at this level is to respond to these questions while the answers keep changing with one's own inner growth so to give you an illustration of the whole process the first box on the play chart is house of learning and the story that goes with it is eat your own fruit some disciples once complained to their guru you always tell us stories but never reveal the meaning to us and the guru replied how would you like it if someone offered you a fruit and chewed it before giving it to you none of us would like that we have to reflect and we have to take the essence of anything that we come across now the options at level 1 are learn to see the world from your own point of view you can't see the world through others eyes we always want someone to think for us at the experiential level share an incident wherein you are dependent on someone to see the world share an incident wherein someone wanted to see the world through you share what it means to see the world through one's own eyes at the third level how do i learn what motivates me to learn what is the process of learning now when you go through these many questions and sharings your understanding of learning goes through a clear shift from what you would have held before that whole process like this there are 100 parables 900 options to work on several themes to pick up and work on if you just want to understand team building or you want to understand creativity there's a separate chart which only focuses on those that will facilitate and restrict a uh, uh, creativity so that was the game that i developed then and i thought it was important to bring a game values was seen as a very heavy subject people said values then they would go to sleep or they thought values is not something that you discuss in public so i said if you bring a game format uh, that will be something which will work we are glad that we have been able to bring that and modify that for children in schools we work with close to over 10000 children at any given point of time and the numbers only increasing so for me not just that game after that i've created several games several processes which will help us to truly truly raise the level of consciousness in this society i'll give you one idea that we have uh, tested in we will be at some point of time building it into a a large scale intervention i was uh, in a greeting shop and looking at all the cards i said why are we stuck with these cards same old cards birthday anniversary get well while the world is becoming so busy and people have no time for each other how do you make people contextual 
So I created a story card which you can send for a given context. Example, you went and met a friend and your friend was dealing with the son in a way that it was not appropriate and the son was not liking it. And you felt the intention of the father was good but the way he was delivering that to his son was not good. And he was being very imposing. You can come to our website and say storycard.com and go and say imposing. You'll get a beautiful parable. The parable that go with this context is there's a man who had a doberman for a pet and somebody told him cod liver oil is good for dog's health. So he went and bought a bottle full of cod liver oil and every day evening when he comes home from the office he would take a spoonful of oil and thrust it down the throat of the dog. The dog did not like this but for the master it tolerated it. And it would go and hide under the sofa the minute he comes and he would pull it out and still put the oil into its mouth. One day when he was trying to do that the dog managed to escape and in the process the oil in the spoon spilt on the floor. to his surprise the dog lapped up the oil that fell on the floor and came to lick the spoon that's when he realized what the dog was resisting was not the oil but the way it was being given and there are so many ways to give the oil if you can send this parable to your friend and say that hey your son is not resisting you maybe the way you are dealing with him and there's so many ways you can deal with your son you love him it can be a very very pointed timely intervention that you'll do in your friend's life and today we need that timely intervention that we can do in each other's life that can bring about a lot more quality and for me this is also a way in which we'll create a mindful culture a mindful society and for that we need time to reflect we need time for ourselves i want to ask you what is your daily routine like uh, how do you take care of yourself because that is one of the most important things well uh, it's important and uh, Uh, you need to have certain disciplines that you will uh, continue to live with uh, at the age of 27 i made my own life vision which is in this lifetime i want to understand myself and out of that understanding leave something behind for those who want to understand themselves having said that uh, when you set a vision everything that you do should be in line with your vision so when i was in 83 in my second year of my masters my teacher called me and said go learn meditation typically i would have rebelled and i said why only me why not others that day quietly i went i learned transcendental meditation and i can tell you i've done it with 95% regularity this morning i did my 20 minutes of meditation and i think moving forward i wouldn't miss that for anything maybe 360 days in a year i would meditate i also go and experiment other forms of meditation i've done two vipassanas 10 days of noble silence and i'm looking forward to doing more of them i do treks i would walk i would uh, like to be with myself in my walks when i'm taking my dog for a walk i'm predominantly talking to myself looking at what my mind is working on so i think in today's world it's not that we don't have time we have to be very very conscious of what we are doing we all are capable of doing multitasking but somewhere we don't have that discipline we start something we don't stick to it long enough we want to see immediate results we don't want to wait for the results to show up when they will show up so therefore our commitment to anything doesn't seem to be very high but i can tell you in the 35 years that i've been meditating that's been one of my very very important parts of growing up and so my routine definitely starts with the meditation i do yoga 
few exercises to keep myself healthy when time permits i go and have a ayurvedic abhyangan i do several things i still feel i only work at 40% efficiency and uh, there's so much more that one can do it's not how much energy you exert it's how you can be very very mindful in creating and generating things with least effort productive can you be in that 40% i i wonder if you were doing 80 90% i don't know what will be happening so i i think with that 40% so much is happening well coming back to right after ashoka you decided to go back to school and pursue your phd and this was after many many years of being in the industry as an employee as an entrepreneur or as a mindful entrepreneur and after the uh, fellowship was it the fellowship that prompted you to go study further or was there any other reason and to our listeners i want to let them know that uh, he pursued his phd in sociology and worked on it for 7 years is that correct yeah. yes it is very interesting why i did my phd my mentor and my teacher said dr sampath will be louder than sampath So I said okay so what do you want me to do he said go do your phd and i just blindly followed it and i went and registered one of my toughest thing was doing my literature survey which i always believed that your original thought should not be colored by others thought so i did have kalpana support me in doing my survey of literature but my study was on what goes into creating a culture of excellence and i also wanted to check out when you dedicate your life to do something i wanted to know if that really brings about deep lasting change in people so i did a three timeline study where i did the intervention i saw what changes people made i went back to them after 6 months i went back to them after 18 months and what i found was 0 to 6 month the absorption was very high and 0 to 18 months there was a dip but still 0 to 18 there was significant shift that's what my study did but in real life i still have people coming back to me after 20 years of having attended my workshop remembering everything that they have uh, gone through during the workshop i've had many interesting episodes i would like to share two episodes with uh, you one was uh, one of the persons who attended my workshop uh, when he was in dubai and i never was in touch with him and uh, 18 years later we accidentally met in delhi in his boss's house for whom i was doing some work pro bono and uh, when i met him he was so excited and he was living in boston and my daughter was going to boston to join the berkeley college of music so he said no you have to come and stay with me i'll take care of everything and all kinds of things i thought okay out of enthusiasm Finally the day came we were driving into Boston and I called him and I'm saying hey we're coming into Boston he said you come to my place straight I said I have two more friends and we have already booked our hotel he said nothing doing bring your friends also and we went to his house 10 minutes into being in his house he brings the material that he got from me 20 years ago and he said everything is intact and the discovery book that they had got as a part of their workshop he said we have been using it every other week or every other month this has been a part of our life another person when i was doing a lot of work in malaysia and i thought that was a very 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 big compliment for discovery itself after the workshop after he played discovery in the workshop he got a copy of discovery he took it home 
and we had a review and we wanted to know how what people were doing this person said i used to read quran to my children and uh, they were not very interested so i kept quran aside and i played discovery both are saying the same thing how does it matter what is important is growing and that for a muslim to tell is a big big thing in the kind of world that we are living in today he respects his religion he respects the essence of what his religion was and he was willing to teach that in any format and i thought that was a very very big compliment for the work itself so the phd was just not a phd but it was also something which seems to be a reality over the years that i've seen that any learning should bring realization into people not learning when you learn from a program or a experience it remains as a knowledge when you realize it becomes a source of change it becomes a source of change i think one of the most important thing and i think that's how you're providing your value when you provide your workshops through your books of course i've had the opportunity to read discovery i think it was last year when i met you and, and i read the book so it was interesting for me to read it at that point of time because i was deciding what direction to go in my life as well and you've had the opportunity to pen down a few more books and some with your wife as well with uh, with kalpana what are some of the other things that our listeners can read uh, if you can talk a little bit more about your books and a little bit in the direction of mindfulness as well i truly believe that there's one school from which i will never graduate and that is the school of life and from the age of 24 which is a year into my meditation i started making notes out of life which is whenever there is a significant event that happened around me which impacted me it had a way of boiling down to a note or a quote or a poem the only discipline i needed to have is when it shows up i'll have to make a note of it otherwise i would lose it so therefore uh, i have kept those notes from the age of 24 and to give you an example of one note one morning me and uh, somebody very close to me were going for a walk and we started talking about our parents and uh, he said it you can't change your parents easily like every parent i think each parent has certain nice things and certain not so nice thing only thing is this person told it three times in a span of 5 minutes and i very spontaneously asked him can you change your thought that you cannot change them but i was very uh, disturbed by that very process and whole day i was uh, reflecting on it now and then now and then and that night just before going to bed i realized what showed up in my mind was this beautiful little note which said which i noted i kept on telling he's rigid he's rigid he's rigid not knowing how rigid i was over his rigidity so like this i have taken several notes when i turned 40 when we were looking at it we said time to share the notes with the rest of the world so i called it inner realities notes on the school of life and uh, as i am talking i have written several other notes thereafter and uh, i'm just looking at how to share create a ebook which will be full of at least 365 quotes that i have taken as lessons from life today i send as uh, morning quotes to my friends uh, every morning i send a quote which i write myself based on my understanding of life so that has been a book and all these books have done well the ordinary plus 1000 copies sold the third book was when i created discovery it was a tool come a book 
and i believe in parables quite uh, strongly and i think parables have a way of telling you what you need to know without threatening you without uh, hurting you without very very subtly the essence of the parable gets into your mind so i said uh, well everybody can't take the tool and discovery and read so how do i make a common man look at uh, these things so i wrote a book called how full is your cup which has 64 parables that impacted me the most of over 6 to 7000 parables that i have as a collection and each of those parables have a certain dimension of your life covered in it what is very interesting about this book is there is not a single pr not a single review done but it was on the top selling in mph malaysia for almost 6 months and even today it's a, a book that's there and it's selling well so i think the time has come and we are getting into a world which is becoming more conscious more aware and is wanting to become more conscious and more aware and more mindful the work that i have done i believe will be useful in that space and i truly truly believe that the future is going to be very different the future is going to be very demanding and the future is also going to give you a lot of lot of space for you to do what you want and i always keep telling people the one important skill that will be needed as you live today and walk into tomorrow is your ability to do four c's before others can do and what these four c's stand for ability to connect correlate create and capitalize google has made knowledge almost redundant you having knowledge is no more a big power but if your ability to connect correlate create and capitalize is enriched and you can do that much faster than others you will be growing and you will make a difference to the world for sure as an institution as an individual as a big organization i think that's beautiful and i think that's something which is very very important in today's world and like you said you know uh, knowledge is something that is available and there is overload of knowledge and what is the right knowledge we are really not aware of we just have the knowledge because it's there and i think with knowing that that knowledge is there what are the shifts that you have made in your life towards the changing workforce that has been happening in our country in our industries how have you evolved uh, as an entrepreneur and what are some of the things that you are providing which are similar values but in a different way in 98 i had an opportunity to meet the head of learning and development at ford um, he was a vice president and I had an hour of his time and that year I know uh, the budget for training and development at Ford was 80 million dollars. I could have very well gone and sold a part of my work and tried to get a small share out of it but that's not what I wanted. I knew at that time Ford had 320,000 employees. So I said if there's a person who's responsible for their learning and development I need to understand what this person looks at as learning. And as we were conversing finally i realized that ford was still trying to tell people what to do and they were not letting people realize what they need to do so out of that conversation when i came back i said today's world we need more wise people than knowledgeable people and i created a, a journey from ignorance to wisdom 
how do you really become wiser how do you become more introspective reflective so today knowledge is not going to be the power but your wisdom which is your ability to understand whatever you see reflect on it draw your own insights and create something out of it that's what is going to be very very critical and our ability to ask why ability to inquire into things i feel very sad our current education system and the education system that you and i went through only tested us on the accumulation of knowledge how much we could remember things it never tested on how much we understood knowledge i mean in history people asked you when was taj mahal built how many people were involved and so on and so on all were numbers and years and days that you had to remember nobody asked us what is the feeling behind such a great effort why uh, did somebody do that what would a relationship mean nobody asked us such questions but i think the future education will have to look at those perspectives if we want to make our generation our current generation future ready we'll have to teach them understanding not teach them knowledge that google will give them i think that's more along the lines of understanding our emotions better and how do we express ourselves emotionally too and and moving on i think the startup that you started in 2015 or 16 won the best startup uh, by ministry of human resource and development and so i would like you to talk a little bit about that and the product that it has and and how it relates to the evolving industries that we have in india again a long story way back in 90 i used to do a, an exercise called value auction in my programs and uh, i used to have 15 values give 15000 rupees to all of them and we would uh, auction the values and people will bid for them and we'll have finally name of the value amount bid for name of the bidder and once we have completed the process each one will tell why they were willing to give so much money but one of the participants in my 35th workshop walked up to me and said he didn't want to participate in my exercise he said i don't believe in your exercise i said why he said i want all values your game will never be able to give me all so sir, i asked him very naively what do you want me to do he said that's your problem not mine and i remember i was 30 and he was 23 at that time and uh, this was a program i was doing for vivekananda kendra in kanyakumari for their life workers and um, i finished that workshop came back home and uh, was very disturbed by the question that he had asked me and i realized there was something very important that he was trying to convey and i didn't understand four days and nights i couldn't sleep but just stay with that question and on the fifth day morning i cracked it which is no single value by itself is valuable values are interdependent and one needs to understand this interdependence in order to understand one's own self now when i got that breakthrough i created a tool those days i called it value profile instrument now it's called life orientation instrument which is built on this framework that no single value by itself is valuable values are interdependent and one needs to understand this interdependence now for uh, years it has been a tool that i used in few those who have been with me for ages can use that tool and interpret that tool but 5 years ago we said you can't have everything and you can't let it die with you so you have to let it go to the world so we thought we will digitize it and we'll get a report engine to create a report which will be automatically downloadable and so on so when we started working we realized that this instrument had so much of data that you can generate that we can do huge 
analytics based on it. So we created a assessment driven analytics platform and the company that we started was Nidarshana and when we showcased it the national hrd network adjudged us as uh, the best hr startup company and gave us a lakh as a prize money what this platform does is it can do a, a host of analytics there is a huge confusion between big data and when it comes to people and big data has not been very successful when it comes to people analytics it's very successful in areas where there is terabytes and terabytes of data but when it comes to people you don't have that large data for you to be doing that kind of uh, analytics so we believe that assessment driven analytics is what is going to be the future also when you come with the pure technology cannot give you all the solution you need a mind that will work with the technology and there has been 50 to 60 years of psychology and deep research about behavior and mind you cannot write off that and say big data will now give you everything about human beings i don't believe that so therefore uh, we have uh, created a very powerful platform and this is working very well and people are beginning to see when we predict teams and when we predict individuals it is all the three it is diagnostic predictive and prescriptive so it does all the three and uh, people who have been we have over 30 clients people who have been using them are very very happy with the output and they are uh, the client is only growing and we are now moving into the next phase today technology and uh, process are changing so we are evolving that whole pro- tool to the next level so that's been something very satisfying and i truly believe technology is going to help us scale things beyond our imagination i think that is true with a given increase in population in india and limited resources I think technology is the answer to a lot of questions not all the questions but at least a lot of questions that we have answered for uh, we are nearing the end of our time here so before we bring this episode to a close I would like to ask you is there any suggestion that you may have for our young listeners or people who have a lot of experience as well how to be mindful in the work that they do things that they do managing their family life well so much to say i'm trying to see what will be the most appropriate thing to say maybe i should conclude it with a small little parable it seems on the river bed of ganges there are a village of creatures whose lifestyle was to cling to the rocks on the river bed they born clinging they live clinging they die clinging one of the creatures was tired of this clinging and wanted to let go and told his friend hey i'm tired i want to let go and that friend went and told everybody and everybody came and counseled him and said the river current is very dangerous it will upturn you kill you you better be here this is how we are born to be or this is what we are born to be learning from that experience the next time that he felt like leaving he took a deep breath and left the rock that he was clinging to the river current did rose him but the same current brought him up and he was floating freely creatures beneath looking at somebody like them floating freely started hailing hey here is a mahan here is a great savior who has come to save our life looking down he said i am not a mahan i am not a savior i am no different from you are all that i did was i left everything i was clinging to i think it's time that you moved on and not get stuck with what you're stuck with each of us are a free spirit and we are so capable of doing so many things and if you are willing to let go nobody can stop you from realizing your own 
potential and that would be so much more valuable to helping others realize their potential thank you for this opportunity i enjoyed talking to you thank you so much for being part of the show thank you so much everyone for listening to the mindful initiative please share this podcast with friends and family if you like it thank you so much mm-hmm.